0: ever since I switched from, I don't know if you ever saw, it used to be Growth Mindset University was the name of the podcast, you know, back uh, several months ago. And, you know, when I, what I started three years ago, but, you know, since then with just the imminent threat of socialism and the rising, the the effectiveness of the leftist weapon that is political correctness, I was like, I got to jump in this fight. You know, I can't talk about bullshit self-help cliches anymore. Like I need to talk about stuff that actually matters and have the types of conversations that we're going to have today, you know? So, all right. I looked over my notes. I'm ready to go. You're ready? Good. Hello and welcome to the Jordan Paris show. Today I have with me a special guest. His name is David Winkler. David is running for the Senate in New Jersey, right? Getting ready to do that in uh when, David?
1: Um, so yeah, that general election takes place in uh twenty or twenty twenty one November. Yes. Um, yeah, is and I don't foresee a primary for me.
0: Right. And look, a lot of things I want to talk about today. Of course, uh, the great or as of late not so great state of New Jersey. I've spent considerable time there, as you know, in the past uh, couple of weeks, months, actually. Really, like three, four out of the last six months, I've spent in uh, New Jersey, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> and we were actually, for people that don't know, we were going to link up uh, and do this podcast in person a couple of weeks ago, a little bit less than two weeks ago. And but you were needed at at a rally to uh, recall Governor Murphy and protest the vaccine. Is that right?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So, I, I got a heads up that uh, Murphy was going to be at a hospital in Newark, and that was the first rollout of the uh, the vaccine. And um, we, we kind of wanted to let him know how we felt about this vaccine being rolled out in such a way.
0: Yeah. Well, other things, too, I want to talk about, David. Like, you served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I just want to say thank you for uh, your service. I mean, you show up in every way. I mean, you showed up, at you know, in a little way at this, at this event that... That you know this protest is rally, uh, but also you know you showed up for uh, over a decade, right, in serving our country. So I just wanted to say thank you for that, and ask you, what is it like in Iraq and Afghanistan? It must be like a completely different world.
1: Yeah, I mean it it it, it totally was. I mean at the time frame I went over, it was it was the beginning of of Iraq and beginning of Afghanistan. Well, to Afghanistan was more two thousand eight, but. Um, it was like going back to like the middle ages as in some parts of the, of Iraq, you know, you know, houses being built out of, you know, mud and, and brick and, or, you know, like it was, it was, it was kind of interesting, uh, technology was a little bit behind the power curve and on top of that, of being in like a third world country type where, you know, they didn't have food and, you know, they didn't have the necessities. And so, you know, every, every chance I got, you know, from care packages, I would, I would I would give them everything I had off, off, off of me including my last bottle of water and they were so humble to give me everything and i was like whoa you know so it it was it was kind of a weird dynamic to go and and really made me appreciate everything we had in america
0: yeah i mean it's interesting i feel bad for uh, for a lot of the the people the normal innocent people that were just born into these regimes right cuz i mean there's good there's good people there
1: Oh, there definitely is, and you know, it one of one of the things that I'll always remember is you know, like the little children that are over there that, you know, greet you, you know, like you're like you know some sort of guardian, um, and they they you know walk you around the streets and you know, even though they they're a little mischievous though, they try to you know you know grab your gear and and you know mess with it because it's new technology to them. They never seen stuff like that or or the warrior types like that. So you know, it was it was a great experience to be able to sit down with elders of, of villages and you know drink tea with them and and talk to them and and you know having that you know mutual respect between our warrior class and their and their uh, you know elders. So it was great.
0: That's really cool. I mean, I, I can't imagine uh, living like that, being uh, born in in a country. Like that. I mean, now, if they were to play the privilege card on me, I'd be like, yes, fair game. Like, I I got you, you know, but most of the people talking about, you know, accusing me of privilege, telling me to check my privilege. Well, first, usually it's white leftists, white Democrats and that are that are uh, well off, (laughs) decently well off. Uh, and, And yeah, just in general, too, like I think of around me recently, Bryn Mawr College what's happening there right now is over the past semester that just came to a close the students are on strike protesting racial injustice they're pretending to be so oppressed but they're at one of the best colleges in the country and it's so funny that they're also they're demanding since they're on strike that they're they're demanding that their protest protesting be counted as class credit and also they're also demanding that they be paid because of the how important the work is that they're doing, supposedly. If that's not privilege, I don't know what is. Like, that's the height of like privilege to be able to protest like that and think that you're so high and mighty so as to get credit for protesting. No repercussions of any kind, but get credit and get money for protesting. And Bryn Mawr College is just totally like caving to I'm so disappointed but anyhow yeah privilege I mean if I'm accused of of privilege by an Afghani kid or or an Iraqi kid like oh yeah I'll like I'll take it man that's just a whole I can't like I said I can't imagine but I have this question you know we've been we've been there for 19 years I mean should we should we stay there or, or pull out altogether?
1: you know I was a huge advocate for for just getting out of there in general why I, you, you know we, we took care of what we needed to take care of. I believe the warfighters have done their job. We're, we're over there. And, and this is my opinion, just, just so it's out there, that um, the privatized industry, um, and I think Eisenhower said it back, best back in the day, you know, about the military industrial complex. We got a lot of private sector, um, you know, <laughs> lining pockets off of contracts over there. and And, you know, a lot of the higher echelons go straight from, you know, green suit to uh, the boardrooms of those of those private sector um, and it, it makes it really hard because war is very profitable and sitting over there I've seen it as an advisor not only as a warfighter, but as an advisor later on to where I'm like what are, what are we really doing here it's frustrating because the war fighters have done their job but we're not we're not getting after the the rest of it which is you know standing up their their government to stand on their own because uh, I'll tell you in Afghanistan, um, my biggest frustration was to get the Ministry of Interior and Ministry of Defense to uh, talk to each other and, and you know, really stand up on their own, which isn't a warfighter function. That is a politician uh, type function where we should probably have State Department people be over there and advise those politicians, not a, you know, a warfighter acting as a diplomat.
0: You know, you said we did what we needed to do. I mean, what like what more is there to to do, I mean, w- what is being accomplished over there, and what what are the consequences if we were to pull out?
1: I mean, the, I was I one hundred percent agree with President Trump on attacking NATO. So, over in two thousand eight is when I went back, or I went to Afghanistan, um, and that that time frame, I don't know if you remember remember this, but you know, two thousand three time frame we almost stopped caring about Afghanistan. And then we left Afghanistan for many, many years. Wow. And then you saw us return in 2008. Um, and I was the first Marine battalion to hit that ground. What I saw there was, was exactly why I agree with President Trump. You know, I had the British out there sunbathing, you know, sitting on bases. They didn't really go out too much, um, which, you know, saturated the area with IEDs. And, you know, I haven't had Air Force EOD tell me and tell my unit one time that they don't work on weekends. Um, and so I was like, whoa, I didn't know war zones had weekends. Um, and then that's why we had such heavy casualties in 2008. We fast forward to 2011, uh, where I went back as, as an advisor, and to watch NATO, you know, do some, do some of the craziest things where I was, I, you know, my German counterparts, to my French counterparts, to, you know, Canadians, to you name it, to where I was like, what are you guys doing? You guys are here, you know, spiritually, but you guys aren't leaving the base or nor are you guys really doing a whole lot to to for this war effort. It's more of U.S. uh, solutions for Afghan problems.
0: Yeah, I've always thought it's weird. Why? It's like this narcissism complex. Like, why do we feel the need to police other nations and play? I I, I just don't get it. Why are we involved in everyone else's problems? I don't like.
1: I mean, you kind of see that with this stimulus bill um, that we saw quite recently, yes. and you know, it's another thing that I'm like, what are we doing? It's almost like we're paying, like, you know, one of my buddies put it this way, almost like paying child support to the rest of the countries around the world. Like, what are we doing?
0: Right. How about, 15 about we million take to, to Pakistan for gender studies? Huh?
1: <laughs> Sounds like UC Berkeley. It's insane that we're not learning from this, and I and that's why I thank God for uh, you know somebody like President Trump that was like, you know what? No, we're 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 not going to flip the bill, NATO. And you guys are going to have to ante up and pay up. And and I totally 100% agree after having that experience to understand what NATO's really like.
0: Crash course on NATO for people that don't know real quick.
1: Uh, I mean, the crash course to me, like there are a bunch of countries that to me, they just benefit off of the U.S. And it's really our allies, you know, um, or they claim to be our allies. But once again, if I were to just go back to Afghanistan, it, it was a bunch of allies that benefited from saying that they were part of the war, but they they weren't even allowed to leave the base. Um, the Italians are one of the biggest ones I can I can point to. They spent a lot of time on base drinking and, you know, eating, uh, eating great food. And, you know, when you tell them to go do something, it was like, you know, sorry, our country doesn't want us to leave the base. Only if America gets in contact or they get in some sort of firefight would these countries come to our aid. Uh, and I've been in contact sometimes where even the British air support would not would not fire and help us out. So it, it's 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 just frustrating in, in general dealing with NATO. And I'm, I'm glad somebody, you know, was was tough on them.
0: And NATO is what?
1: It's the North Atlantic uh, uh, Treaty Organization slash, uh, you know, as I said, most of those allies, you know, you know, you got a bunch of different countries in there that have are come to America's aid. Or vice versa, we come to their aid if they have issues as well.
0: Yeah. Do you think that troop numbers would increase under a Biden administration?
1: No. Um, Democrats have had a huge problem anyway. Underneath Obama, he was responsible for hollowing out our military. And a lot of people don't understand this. You know, the Marines cut the – what they would call cut their fat. But it's, it's – they – they hurt themselves. It was the same thing with the army. The army hurt themselves underneath the Obama administration by, by cutting the numbers. Um, and so you saw a lot of your, your experience, your combat veterans, uh, leave the military because they were tired of, of not feeling like their the military had their back, you know, after they served, you know, three, four, sometimes six deployments. Um, and what they would do is pretty much pink slip them. If they had any sort of issue, you know, whether it was like underage drinking when they were, you know, younger as a Marine or hmm. Army soldier or whatever it was, but they would hit them, you know, 12, 13 years later down the road. Um, and it was, there's a lot of disgruntled, you know, military members that are now veterans that got kicked out based upon those types of policies.
0: And what, is this, what does this do when we hollow out our military?
1: Well, essentially, I mean, if what you do is you bring in a bunch of new soldiers that have no experience um and you're kicking out your meat so you're kicking out your mid-tier to senior like you know senior levels that have all the combat experience for that for that era that you know that conflict so they're out so all you're doing is is churning and burning experience and so the ones that are left standing up at the at the top aren't necessarily your best they are the ones that survived the cut yeah um and it's that's what I'm honestly, you know, I saw towards the end was, you know, if you stayed around, you got promoted, and and that's a dangerous thing because some of these people are, I, I kind of question whether they should have been promoted or not.
0: So where do we go from here in terms of our military? What what would be like the best course of action and why over the next you know four or five years?
1: What I what I what I believe that the military needs right now is is a bit of rest and refit. You know, we, we've literally been the world's police, um, yes. whether it's the Navy out there, you know, and, and I've seen some, some people, man, my brother had 11 deployments in the Navy and spent half of his career or almost three quarters of his career away from his family, his kids, you name it. I mean, that, that, that's kind of the story of what's going on here. We need a rest and refit. We need to get back to training on the basics, you know, getting back to our core, our core training. Um, rather than, you know, these, and and I'll put it out this way, you know, we have what's called dwell time. I'd have a deployment for about a year, I'll come back, um, within six to 12 months, I'm getting ready for another deployment. That is just is straining, it's straining people. Yeah. And so, you know, people have to look towards, you know, what they call special duties, you know, either be a drill sergeant or a recruiter, or, you know, they look towards something that, you know, can give them that that, you know rest which is that you know we call it like taking a knee you know to three to three to you know four years so i if I would say anything we need to kind of calm down the deployment rotations
0: yeah i want to move on to your race a little bit have you always been a conservative david
1: yeah i, I would tell people yes so i probably one of the only i grew up in a conservative family out of Orange county California
0: um, which I got. I got to be honest, man. The the it just doesn't add up. Like California, New Jersey, and statistically, I mean, you're a black man, so statistically, it just that doesn't bode well either for you being conservative. It just doesn't. It's very. It's it's just an unlikely story. All the way it, through.
1: It's crazy. What which, which is funny is because Orange County just had a huge win. I think with Kim mm. over there, and uh, she won her house race, which. My area of Orange County, I came from Fullerton, uh, California, which tends to be very conservative as it is. It's older, white populace there. Um, I was adopted into a German family when I was, when I was uh, you know, about 11 months.
0: Oh, adopted, yeah. Uh, so,
1: yeah, so and naturally, I grew up with my parents being conservative. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's a crazy story. I mean, the military brought me all over the place, but I chose to reside here in New Jersey. And, you know, seeing seeing the lack of fight from the conservatives here or the Republican base here, up, like almost like they, they've given up after 40 years of, of losses. It's, you know, it's something that I believe that having that veteran experience, I can jump into this arena and say, Hey, you know what? It, it, you're done taking a knee Republican party. It's, it's time to stand up, fight for the people and, and get that morale back, get that spirit back as Republicans, get that spine back. Um, and that's what I'm over here doing right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, Look, okay, it's New Jersey, very Democrat, obviously, uh, you're, and you're running against, in a Democrat county, against an incumbent who's been there for 24 years. I mean, if I were you, my natural tendency, and like we really need your leadership. I mean, what what do you think your chances of winning are in a county like this? And would you consider moving out of New Jersey? I mean, because we really need your leadership.
1: So here's what I say. You know, Sacco is the... The old dinosaur type of of the Democrat Party that that arose from, you know, and, and you and you got and you got to go back in New Jersey history. I mean, a lot of them escaped the Bay Pigs invasion and, and they came over here. So you had a lot of Cubans, um, a lot of Italian, or you you had the Italians, which is Sacco. But th- the thing is, is they are not adapting to understanding the the new or the newer generations. I may black, Latino. So I'm, I'm half and half. The interesting thing is I understand the social justice movements and in uh, the criminal justice movements and everything else. This guy is is completely, he, he completely lost to that. Um, I also understand immigration issues. Um, and these, this is something that, you know, is affecting my area and all three of those areas. And it's, it takes a real common sense and pragmatic type leader to, to get after it um after they failed for so many decades on in those in those key areas and i will tell you that his support is is going down yeah it's not wow. Going up. wow you know me coming in as that republican coming in as that uh you know black or minority conservative type leader is sitting very well with the populace here because they're like whoa you are actually bringing back the values of of what and and this is kind of weird what the old democrat party used to be in new jersey 30 40 years ago so i'm talking about ideas that were of what a former assemblyman called me about he was a democratic assemblyman and he he, he called me and was like yeah this is what we were you were bringing it back you're actually giving me inspiration you know and saying whoa this is coming from the republican party that you care about immigrants that you care about you know these issues that are affecting uh you know the black community to uh, the hispanic community he's like whoa this is this is great stuff
0: yeah it is interesting and and if you look up the definition of the word liberal today it sounds a lot like conservatives. Yeah. Like liberal, I, mean, I don't call. I don't. I up until uh, the past couple of months, I've been calling uh, Democrat voters liberals. I, I do absolutely not anymore because ninety plus percent of them are just leftists, which are really communists, Marxists.
1: Yeah, it, it's crazy because you know, I mean, you look at the time frame of Malcolm X and and all that time frame. There, there's a different terminology for liberalism than what they throw out today. Like these aren't liberals.
0: No. Absolutely these
1: these are, are more democratic socialists, which, you know, obviously that red rose, the DSA, uh, those are those types. And that is not a liberal. And
0: no, it, it's it, it's not about being tolerant and understanding. It's about enforced conformity. Yes. What do you say about all those social justice, racial justice movements you briefly mentioned? I'd love your comment.
1: So, so, I'm a I'm a huge advocate for um, reversing the harmful effects of, of mass incarceration. To be quite honest, um, I do agree. You know, with with some of the leftist points on that, right? So, what Biden did with the the 1993 1994 crime bill at that time frame was
0: was completely wrong. And tell tell us for people that don't know the details. I mean, do you have the, some details on that?
1: Well, what what I would say about that was, you know what I'm looking at is I grew up in California in the aspect of, of marijuana. I've seen it where, you know, disproportionately the black community or the minority community would be arrested for a possession, a distribution, or, you know, just being at a party with, with marijuana being around there and the cops come by and they don't ever arrest the white kid. They arrest the, the Brown kid. And it is, it's, I, I can kind of feel their, their frustration on that. Mm. And what it ended up doing was creating a whole generation of kids who had charges that can't do much after they get that charge. Um, I go back to when I was a recruiter in 2014 in Brooklyn. I had to turn away so many kids that had one charge of possession. They couldn't even join the army. Wow. So if they can't even join the army, what do you think they can do out there in the, in the civilian world uh, with the, with a charge like that? And, and that's what we're creating is a generation of kids at at you know such a young age that have a damn near a death sentence for their uh for their careers or their future. So I do agree with with you know taking a common sense approach and saying, hey, no, let's go ahead and give judges autonomy here. Um, which I think you understand the the minimum sentencing aspect. And going ahead and getting rid of that and saying, hey judge, you had the autonomy to go away from sticking a kid in, in jail to, hey, let's go ahead and do some uh you know rehabilitation type or or something else other than jail.
0: Yeah, and I'd agree. I mean, it's certainly a problem. That's probably a large part of the quote unquote systemic racism that people point to. But I would obviously argue that it's Democrat Party racism, not systemic racism. Obviously, I mean, it's Joe Biden that that to that bill and i'm actually going to do an episode on the democrat party it is just rooted in slavery in every which way republican party has nothing to do with it. the party uh, that was founded on an anti-slavery movement uh, has absolutely nothing to do with it so I, i'm excited to cover that in another episode but yeah democrat party racism i mean yeah that's certainly a problem it, i I, I would acknowledge that and somebody brought it up to me i'll uh, i that Brought up a good point that, David, I do an edible every uh, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. I haven't done one in like five, six weeks. I have some candies on me in, in my home. And, you know, sometimes I'll I'll fly with it if I'm going somewhere. And uh, somebody brought up the point that, you know, Jordan, I mean, you really think that you'd be uh, cracked down on for that? Like you'd be arrested for that? I mean, odds are a black guy would be.
1: Well, I mean, I, I can't necessarily... You know, and and I'm very careful on on that on the judgmental aspect of that. I mean, yeah, I grew up in, in seeing that, but I'm I can't sit there and say that for every every state, every municipality, everything, because you know, to me, you know, after being in the military and, and understanding that, you know, 99 percent of the, the military does the right thing, and then you have that that you know those bad apples that that go out there with some sort of you know racist intent, and obviously there are institutional Uh, EEOC policies in in place to deal with those types of people. It's the same thing with the police. And, and, you know, it's, it's an argument that I use all the time here that I'm actually against the institutional racism argument from the left, where once again, I have to point to the Civil Rights Act and I have to point to EEOC that even at the police institutional levels, they have those those policies set in place. And that the real problem is those who don't enforce the EO policies or, or the, and go after those who are doing the wrong thing. But I I definitely agree with you on (laughs) that. We got to do something about the, 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 uh, cannabis aspect. I was a, I was a CEO of a veterans organization for, for a, um, you know, quite a while. And one of the biggest things that kept bringing or kept being brought to my attention as a as a veteran leader was, hey, we want to we want to get off of opioids um, within the VA. We want to get off of, you know, the candy, as they call it, within the DOD. What do you think about medical uh, use of of marijuana or cannabis or CBD and stuff like that? So I was like, you know, I had guys, you know, uh, schools do some research for me, Syracuse University. I haven't had Yale come out and help me out with that, um, and we were finding great stuff, and it it dramatically reduced the amount of PTSD symptoms, uh, depression, even the injuries uh, or physical injuries. So that's why I became an advocate for for the medical use of of cannabis.
0: Yeah, I think it's a wonderful thing, yeah. and I know that perhaps legalizing it is more of a. Uh, you know democrat party sort of thing i mean i'm i'm not on every single issue i'm not like aligned with the republican party uh, but yeah i think it's a a really wonderful thing especially if you're not perhaps i don't want to say using every single day but like getting really high every day like that's just de- degeneracy
1: I mean, I think that's that's what we would say for pretty much even alcohol use. You know, use in moderation and and and, and not you know drink yeah. every single day. But I
0: I really think that we should legalize it. It's like why it's it's the same. Uh, it's it's with alcohol. I mean, it, they don't, the government doesn't tell you how much uh, or alcohol you can and cannot drink, or or if you can drink alcohol. You know, the same thing with masks. I don't want I don't want the government telling me that I. The the masks are mandated. I mean, number one, they don't, mask mandates don't work. We've covered that in an earlier episode with Tom Woods, jordanparish.com slash EP223. But also, yeah, I I just, yeah, I don't want them telling me uh, that I have to do something. I don't want them, I, I don't want the government involved in my life in any way. Even if, even if I didn't do cannabis at all, like I'd still, I I still wouldn't want them to say that, no, you can't. Like, I think that, you know, are there some going to be some unintended consequences? Yeah. Are there going to be some people that abuse it? Yeah, absolutely. But I still think it should be totally the choice of the people.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think that comes with, you know, life experience once again, you know, being in Europe and places where that is completely legalized. I mean, you can go down to a mm-hmm. coffee shop and they put it in their, their brownies to their, you know, that's
0: pretty cool
1: <laughs> you know, it, it, it was quite hilarious you know and they don't have problems over there and it's it's like we have problems over here with it but you know it's it, i think it once again you know having that experience to understand you know how europe did it to over here and i've been paying attention to places like colorado um you know washington over there you know california and all that and and i think that you know because it was on question one for um for New Jersey here in, in the 2020 election, I have the ability this 2021 to make sure that this is implemented correctly. And and that is a huge platform of mine to make sure that we reverse the the harmful effects of the, the crime bill, as well as making sure that the profits go back to those who were most affected uh, by it and keep it away from the Goldman Sachs, Wall Street types.
0: A final point on this too. What is making it illegal really doing the people that, Still want to do it? Are going to do it, and it's so easy to get your hands on. The, the only, same thing as your gun laws. Yeah, the only thing you're doing is giving people a criminal record and making it harder for them to prosper in the future. Yeah. So I'm all for it. Sure, there's unintended consequences that I haven't thought of, but I'm all for it. David, I I want to I do want to move on to New Jersey. What is happening here in New Jersey? What's Governor Murphy Murphy doing? Governor, Governor Murphy
1: is a is a huge issue here. You know, as I as I walk or go around my my district, not only my district, but I go and I attend events at a lot of other districts. Governor Murphy is I think he's just on a power trip, to be quite honest. I think that, you know, with his emergency or, or orders and um, he realized that he he could kind of overstep boundaries and, and be abusive towards the people here. He's really got something out for the Republican Party Mm. is what it really is. And I I think that a lot of it is is trying to punish the Republicans. But, you know, as you're saying, like unintentional consequences, he's hurting his Democrat Party as well after, you know, trying to go after Trump. Um, And I think that there was a feud between Murphy and Trump, you know, that that kind of just sparked this whole behavior. Um, he's taking out on our businesses. He's taking it out on our families. He's taking out on everybody over here. And you know, I w- I go around my district and I tell people when I g- and I go and speak that it's not just Republican businesses that are that are hurting here. It's, it's Democrats and Independents and and everybody's tired of it. Um, they just want to be able to feed their families. They want to be able to house you know their their kids, their family, but they can't even they can't even open up. Um, and when they do comply, they get it's still It still hurts them when they comply. Um, So people are forced to kind of go against um, Governor Murphy here, um, just so that they can live.
0: Should uh, establishments like Attilas Gym keep defying lockdown orders and racking up fines? I mean, what they're—I know you're—you're doing a rally with the owner Ian Smith, right? Yep. And they've got over a million dollars in fines. Like, yeah.
1: I totally agree with, you know, people like him. I agree with the Patriots like that once again.
0: But what happens you know, with those fines? Like, do they just do how strict, how how enforceable are they?
1: Well, I'll tell you that they're not enforceable at all. In fact, Eden's going to end up winning those cases. You know, something that I, I had last weekend is I was I sat down at another at another place and I, I spoke there. It was Ava's Kitchen and Bar and They are becoming smart here in New Jersey. What they're doing is changing from, you know, a public uh, company over to private. Therefore, the government can't really do much. And all they're doing is is finding a, a private company. And they don't realize that they're they're being they're being defeated quite easily because what they do is they take those fines. They give notice back to the back to, you know, the government here in New Jersey. And what they're doing is they're going up to a place called LAMP. Which is a federal arbitration and these people are winning these cases right and left mm. hey i gave you notice that i am no longer a public company i am a private company and you're going to start seeing later on that he's not only going to win he's most likely going to get that money back and some um and it's the same thing with uh some of these gym owners um i know a few other gym owners one spoke last weekend and he said the same thing he was winning at the federal the federal level and an arbitration court.
0: Yeah. Um, Why do you think though, that Governor Murphy and other emperors like him are targeting small businesses, but not necessarily the big box stores? Like I was in, in New Jersey, a Best Buy the other week. I mean, that obviously, you know, those all operate as, as normal. You know, it just seems like, yeah, the big businesses, the big corporations, I mean, they don't, they don't struggle one bit, but everyone else, the small mom and pop places, those are the places that struggle. I mean,
1: if if I were to, you know, say from a politician standpoint, a lot of these people get majority of their campaign donations from big business. I mean, you look at a lot of these, a lot of like people like Murphy, I would even use Menendez, Booker, you know, to start with, I mean, you look at their their filings and who donates to them. It's not your mom and pop, it's your it's your big corporations, and I think that a lot of them are beholden to them, so they're not going to go against you know big business here. It's, it's, it's sad when, yeah, they're bought off in that aspect. That's the a other thing American
0: politics,
1: American, and I think there's a bigger thing to it as well: is to have control of the election process here. You know, one of the biggest things I talked about was his attack on Matt Gates, where he called him Matt Putts in in his briefing, but there's more to that. Your ability to shut down Republican fundraising and to shut down the Republicans from being able to get out on the ground and talk to the people, hold fundraisers is is what I saw in 2020. Um, they didn't want us out there because we can defeat these Democrats on the ground. Um, I, that's that's my belief. I, I could defeat them all day by talking to these these Democrats. But it was it's it's it, all, it, it, to me, it was about destroying our ability during the elections as well. And I, and I think there's more to what Murphy's doing. Yes.
0: Now, you were protesting the vaccine the other week. Is, is that right?
1: Yes. What so are you, we your, have,
0: your thoughts on that?
1: We have history here in New Jersey. In 2019, the New Jersey Democrats tried to mandate vaccines. Mm. Um, and they tried to get rid of uh, religious exemptions. And so I didn't want the same thing happening here again. So, you know, going out to protest that the the vaccine was... Was along that lines was you know letting him know this is not going to happen again here in New Jersey where you try to uh, remove religious exemptions for vac- vaccinations here.
0: It makes a lot um, more sense than given given that context, that historical context. Yeah,
1: there's a, yeah there's a historical context, and I want to make sure that it's well known that it's it's not going to happen here again.
0: Yes, so, but with that being said, uh, vaccine here and is New Jersey opening up? No. Why? What's the point?
1: It it, it's to me, it's a definition of insanity going on here. You know, it started off stakes. (laughs) It's it's yeah, it's always moving the goalposts, moving the stakes. And what what Murphy is doing is is relying on a computer like algorithm type, you know, statistic machine thing that he's got there in his COVID nineteen briefings, and it's to me one the data is wrong inside there. Um, they keep talking about how, you know, nationally, you got this 300,000 plus deaths, when it kind of conflicts with the CDC. I don't know if you read the CDC report where it talks about 10, or, you know, slightly over 10k direct deaths. And you know, I I belong to the Coronavirus Task Force as well, with the New York City side. And you know, seeing things, seeing things out there, I'm, everything is counted as, as dang near death, or COVID-19 death. And you're like, well, what are you doing, you know, in these hospitals? So to me, there's a lot of mis- misinformation, a lot of lack of leadership here. And the, and I keep trying to tell Murphy and the Murphy types or the, the Democrats that are in charge that the solution can't be worse than the virus itself. We're about to have no, we're about to go to a point of no return. There's mass exodus already. We I don't know if you knew this, but in 2019, we had about a 68.5% uh, mass exodus of, of business owners. They left.
0: Get woke, and they go leave.
1: broke, and then so what you're doing to them right now is they're fleeing. A lot of them are fleeing to Florida. You know the exact place where you know Murphy had a problem with Matt Gates, which I find funny is they're all going to flee to Florida. Um, you know underneath DeSantis, um, and DeSantis will take care of them. I'll be quite honest, but um, it's it's insane.
0: Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you uh, live in Florida, uh, given the option between New Jersey and Florida? I can't. Uh...
1: It's it's like night and day. Like yeah. when you travel to Florida right now, everything is open. You know, everybody's enjoying life. It's it's like like coming back to New Jersey is like it's like a state of depression.
0: Yeah. No, I'm looking looking back to being. I'm looking forward to being back in Florida tomorrow and uh, not coming back up north for quite some time. Very much looking forward to that. Seriously. Yeah. What is going on with the recall of Governor Murphy? Is there really any chance here that this happens?
1: There actually is a real chance here, so I, I did this by the book. So I, I recognized that there was was some other past attempts there. The last one they tried to tie to the general election. You you can't tie it to a general election, and and that's why it failed. The what I did was I realized that there was a, a certain amount of time frame, and I I almost missed the window to be able to to recall him. So we immediately filed, we and I. What I did was I put out a press release and, I, and I, it's in Insider, New Jersey, and it's one of our outlets out here. So I, I put it in there. Um, immediately upon doing that, I was approached by the original team that that put together uh, the recalls before. They realized their errors of their way from the last time. And they're like, we know what we're going to have to do now. Um, I worked with that original committee. We got it filed within the state. The state approved the recall. Upon that, that's when I called upon Ian Smith and said, hey, Ian Smith, because, you know, I'm, I'm about my small business owners here. And I thought it would be a really funny Christmas gift um, to give to Governor Murphy because Governor Murphy didn't stay in his own lockdown state for for Christmas. He he, he decided to go out of country, which is quite the hypocrisy okay, right. a lot of times from Democrats. So I had him come down and we went down to Trenton and we served uh, one of his staff members and on top of giving him a, a hat and a, a shirt from Mattel's Gym as a Christmas gift. Lovely. But it was it was it was such an amazing experience to you know to see the morale be restored in a guy who's who's been just utterly harassed by the the government. Yeah, here.
0: terrible. Just terrible.
1: Um and so yeah, so I did that. So now we we were in we are in the 7-day waiting period um for his response. So Governor Murphy has until the 29th to respond. Then you'll, you'll see the petitions come up online. We, the Governor Murphy made it easier for us. The process before was, you know, filling out, you know, we had to print out actual paper, you know, petitions. Now it's a pure electronic. And this is where you play into my domain, you know, through social media presence to you name it, uh, we can get this 1.7 million signatures very, very quickly.
0: Mm. Well, Um, I am, uh, rooting for you. I'm rooting for the recall. I'm rooting for you to flip your county, your state for the first time in a really long time. I would love, like I said, to see your your leadership in the uh, Senate. So rooting for you in every way. People can find you, David, on LinkedIn, David Winkler on LinkedIn. I know you're very active there. Is there anywhere else that you'd like to uh, share with any, anything else you'd like to share with people?
1: People can find me on Twitter, you know, Winkler for um, NJ32. It's the same handle for Instagram. You can find me on Facebook as well as I have my website, uh, wwwwinkler ww.winkler for new jersey state And I'm very approachable. I'm not one of those uh, you know leaders where you you, you can't approach me. Usually I'll get back with you within, you know, a few hours or or possibly twenty-four hours, but I will actually answer each and every one of you. I don't care if you're from New Jersey. Texas, California, whatever. I talk to everybody.
0: Yeah, it's really refreshing, man. You know, a real person, not a career politician. David Winkler, thank you very much. There we go. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Jordan Paris Show. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, there are a couple of things that you can do. Number one is, of course, share with your friends and family. I think that they would really appreciate it. Number two, we have a free community a sensor-free community on Telegram. You can join that group at jordanparis.com group. I'd love to meet you. And lastly, your voice is powerful and it is important. And if you'd like to use your voice and start your own podcast, I'd love to help you out. jordanparis.com course is where you can find my free course on how to become a rock star podcaster. That's all. Thanks everyone for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode of The Jordan Paris show.